Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to this episode of Trundle Bed Tales Radio. Today we're going to be doing um, something a little bit different. So far in my structure of the show, I've had one theme sort of repeat by doing a special episode at the end of each year, kind of summing up everything that's gone on in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom that year. But I've decided uh, that maybe it would be good to have, well, a couple other things repeat. Uh, we've done something special for Laura's birthday on uh, February 7th each year. And now I'm thinking that this probably would be a good time of year to check in with some of the projects and things that I've talked about over the course of the year, both in my blog, on Facebook, and on the radio show itself, uh, to kind of catch you up where things are. So this is a totally new Experiment. I don't know if it's going to work well or not, but we'll see how it's going to go. And before we do anything else, it's always time to start with a little housekeeping. And as always, if you want to call in, you can do so at 714 714- Two four two five two five three. That's seven one four two four two five two five three. Or toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. That's one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. The chat room is now open. If anybody would like to chat while we're going through this and. Uh, I always want to make sure people realize that you can live, you can stream this live while it's going on. You can listen to it in an archive, or if you're up and about, you can call in and use the one eight hundred number to um, get in and just listen, even if you don't want to talk. And that's about the end of the uh, of the housekeeping. So the first thing I want to update you on is the podcast itself. Uh, it seems to be going really well. Our listens are quite up quite a bit this last year and in fact I just checked before I came on and we are currently for total listens at 60,504 that includes live listens uh, listens to the archive and downloads from iTunes so I hope everybody's been enjoying it as always I'm open to suggestions and clarifications We've been having some troubles the last few times uh, technically, which seems to be true throughout Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I'm use- And also 
uh, the Skype connection has been a bit of an issue. So I'm actually trying to call in through the computer using a different system than Skype today, and we'll see if that improves things any, or if we have, uh, if we can use this and not disappear in the middle of the broadcast. I think that would be a major improvement. Uh, I'm have just did the update for the week. That's one of the features that we try and do each month is uh, do an update for a roundup of what's going on in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom. And I did drop out for a minute even in that. That was still on Skype. So we'll see how this new system works. And uh, hopefully it'll work well and we will pick it up from there. Now the next thing that uh, I wanted to update people about was uh, you might have, if you saw me at Laura Palooza last year, or uh, if you saw me since then, uh, I might have mentioned in passing that I had, after the conference, gone straight out to Dismet, South Dakota. I was there, sadly, for less than 24 hours because I love visiting Dismet. Dismet is one of my favorite places on earth. And uh, the reason that I went out there was because the South Dakota Public Television was working on doing two news stories for their television magazine program called Dakota Life that they uh, wanted uh, someone to come in and talk about Lauren's Wilder for. And uh, since I was that close, I was glad to agree to do it. It had a great time. And while we were out there, we uh, they interviewed me for quite a while, and then we went out, and uh, I did my best Julie Andrews impression, spinning around out on the prairie in my prairie dress. And they used uh, some of it in the new story that went out on Dakota Life during the month of May, and it was about the Laura Ingalls Wilder pageant in DeSmet. Now, other than me, they also talked to Marion Kramer and a number of other people who were board members and volunteers. They did, uh, I think, a really great job with that. And uh, it is now up on their website, so you can watch it for free no matter where you live. There uh, is, I did a blog post about it, so if you go to the Trundle Bed Tales blog, you can search for Dakota Life and it'll bring it up with the link. Uh, I should give you a heads up that it's the second story. The full episode is online and it's the second story, so you have to get past that. Now, some people have been telling me they had as much trouble as I did getting past the first story. A couple other people said, no, it worked slick and they just could move over to the 13-minute start point and go from there and no trouble. Uh, so... Try it and see what happens. And the other reason why you might want to go through my blog post then directly to the, their website is because I went through and wrote in the t different time codes, who was talking and pointing out things that you might want to know that aren't necessarily showing up uh, in the narration on screen. So I say what different buildings are and that sort of thing. I'll point out a couple of people that... Uh, it's nice for Laura people to know who they are but might not be able to spot on there. So uh, check out Code of Life. I think it's really great that they did this news story. And in case you're wondering, the second news story uh, is on hold as part of the Pioneer Girl Project being on hold. But hopefully 
I'm not holding my breath, but hopefully that project will finish up and they will actually be able to go out and um, get the second part of the, or the second news story online too. And when that happens, I will be sure to let you know. Now, the next upcoming project that uh, people probably ask me the most questions about is my Laura Ingalls Wilder building because I have been talking about it a lot lately. And what it is, because some people don't know, when I started out uh, collecting Laura things, I saw two different news articles that really affected uh, what I was, my plans. And the first one was a article in Capper's Weekly that was about Helen Burkheister, and it talked about how she would go out and do Laura presentations. And I figured, as a nine, ten-year-old at the time, that there was, if she could go out and give presentations on Laura, there was no particular reason why I couldn't go out and give presentations on Laura, which uh, helped kind of widen my scope of where I tried to go out and speak on. So it really, she really affected me a lot that way. It was sort of a challenge. And the other one was a news. Well, so much for hoping that the new system was going to not keep me from, or it was not going to cut out. Okay, I may have to give up and go back to calling my cell phone because this is just kind of silly. Uh, I apologize for that. I was hoping that we figured this out, but all right. Um, I had finished talking about Helen Burkheister. I hope that you heard that. And then the other newscast that I saw was a news story on the local news about a man who had a Roy Rogers collection. And he had, within his house, a Roy Rogers room. And it was a fairly big room, and it was just filled with Roy Rogers memorabilia. And actually, uh, that collection is now housed at the Dumont Museum here in Iowa. And it is it is a very impressive Roy Rogers collection. If you like Roy Rogers, now that the Roy Rogers Museum, uh, the official one, is gone, this is probably going to be your, your best bet if you ever get a chance to stop by and see it. But anyway, I had seen this man's Roy Rogers room, and I went, aha, if he can have a Roy Rogers room, I can have a Laura Ingalls Wilder room. But in my house, it's an old farmhouse, and there really wasn't a good place that would be a room that we could make into a Laura Ingalls Wilder room. And there really wasn't a good place where uh, you could add on. So I figured it would have to be an, an outside building. And eventually we found a place for it. And I, I was originally hoping it would look a lot like a one-room school from the outside, and it really doesn't. But um, it's that same sort of basic architecture with a brown roof and white walls and doors in the middle on one side, and that was about as close as we could get. So I saved up, spent a lot of time going around, talking to different construction companies that did these outside farm buildings, and spent a lot of time looking at the models of the buildings at various fair places. And 
um, because if you go to a, a state fair or a regional fair, you will see mocked up buildings that are just permanently on the ground that they have there to um, show off how their skill set. Well, the one that really impressed me because it was well done and well finished was WIC. And so we went with them and uh, we had to put a, get another company to put in the uh, cement floor first. And then the WIC people came in and did the exterior. And for a long time, that's pretty much what we had because about that time, my grandmother got sick for the first time and my brother, who was going to be helping me do the interior, uh, got really busy with some other stuff that kind of sprang up unexpectedly. So it's just taken us a really long time. We kind of have just been inching, inching, inching forward on the building, trying to get it to a place where we can actually put stuff inside. And we are still not completely finished. I was really hoping that I was going to be able to have an opening reception in May. That didn't happen. Maybe we can do one this fall. I'm hoping so. But we are definitely making progress, even if it is by inching along. Um, so what's in the Laura building, or what is eventually going to be? It's going to have a studio area up front where hopefully I can do both uh, podcasts and I can do video uh, um, presentations from and then there's uh, also going to be a production area where we're going to have um, things set up like a coffee stand and a nice little permanent background where you can always come in and take a picture without having to worry about setting things up um, we're going to and that that's actually in place and I am so happy. It's such a nice thing to not have to drag stuff around when you're trying to take a picture or something. And we have uh you know, all sorts of different things. We're gonna have a scanner in there. I hope to eventually, though this might be in the second wave of purchases after we get the actual building finished and finished paid for. Uh but um I wanna get a microfilm reader printer in there. All sorts of stuff along those lines. So there's going to be one wall that's going to be basically production area. Then the rest of the building is bookshelves and display things. So there, I was and filing cabinets. And I was hoping originally uh, to have just Laura Ingalls Wilder things in the building. That was the original plan, but. I was talked to about the weight of books and the structure of the house and what was happening from having all that weight over the kitchen where I had the books stored. And so I was convinced that uh, I needed to take all of my books from my various collections out there. Uh, so uh, it's the main big part is going to be a library of my collection. It's uh, mostly Laura Ingalls Wilder, but then there are going to be shelves dedicated to things like Ellen Montgomery, uh, Mary J. Holmes, Jean Stratton Porter, Jesse Field Shambaugh, um, and some general history things. And then there's also going to be a small section that's sort of not related to history and not related to, oh, and the Iowa history section that's in there too. Uh, and then there's going to be a sec, oh, and one room schools. There's a big section of one room schools. Um, there's going to be a small section then that's 
novels and children's books and that sort of thing just to get them out of the house and and get that weight out of the house and onto organized bookshelves. That is really nice. And I also, my mother, her entire life had a, a goal that she wanted to have So, this new system of trying for not drop calls has not worked at all, has it? So, we are going to be back to having to do the phone call in. But oh well. So, what I was saying is, one of been one of my mother's goals her entire life to have a place to put her cookbook collection all together. So, we're going to do our best for that, and she's getting one uh, aisle in my building for her cookbook collection, her historic. Uh, food waste stuff and her modern stuff and she has carried uh, 1,025 cookbooks out so far from uh, her house in the garage and the various places where they have been hidden over the years. So that uh, was something that, that we're really glad that we could do and it's interesting. So we've been slowly, we've got most of the shelves up now. Uh, and we've been slowly trying to gather things up. So, for instance, um, after talking with uh, my good friend Kelly Pelzel, she gave me an idea for how I could do my T-shirts that I'd been wanting to have. I had originally been thinking that I'd just be hanging them on the wall, but she uh, talked to me and uh, we came up with the idea of a certain kind of stand. So we've got the T-shirt stand up and covered in T-shirts, so there's one or two that I still have to find and get on there yet. Uh, I also have uh, been finding and digging up things, photographs, prints, posters that have been stuck all over the house and trying to get them framed and up on the walls. And uh, we've got a pretty good start to that. But I think, I mean, we've been collecting things as long as I have. They're just sort of everywhere. And uh, you keep coming across things and going, mm, what are we going to do with this? So it should be an interesting thing. Now, also on the shelves, besides the books and the photo albums and the DVDs and the VHS tapes and the film strips and all the stuff that makes up uh, the sort of non-physical material part of the collection, I also have aquariums, and what I do with this is because this time of year, especially when people are moving out in a college town, you can get aquariums for either free or cheap, and then you clean them up. In fact, I, I just got one about two weeks ago, and it had been a saltwater aquarium, and I've been working on cleaning it up since, and we're almost ready to go with that one. But I get to get uh, aquariums of various sizes, and then use them for display pieces on the shelves. So they're in nice glass boxes. They're not, um, and, and you're not paying what you would to get a display case on it. So they, it's really been a system that was worked out really well, except that we are always on the lookout for more free aquariums of pretty much any size that you want. Um, I've come up with about three more themed uh, themes that I need aquariums for that I don't have yet. The one that I'm working on now is pretty big, so I'm hoping that that's going to hold my Ashton Drake dolls. And 
the one that I just finished before that is going to be my um, technology display. And so I have things in there like um, a magic lantern because I always tie into my presentations with magic lanterns that they did have in the Victorian era. Uh, I've got a kerosene egg candler, an electric egg candler, a bullet mold, uh, and a piece of the loftus door and a piece of the tree that was in the Rocky Ridge front yard that uh, blew down in uh, 2000 or 2001 and they started selling slices of the tree. And so I put that in there too. So that's the kind of thing that you may see in my display units. And those are just going to be randomly interspersed um, among the books. And it, it's kind of an interesting thing. Oh, we've got a couple manne uh, mannequins up wearing some of my old Laura dresses. And it's really starting to come together. But there is a lot, a lot of um, stuff just sort of sitting around. So there's still a big thing of sweeping compound and um, two different types of insulation stacked in one corner. And, um, some shelving that we got that we actually decided is going to work better for another project, so we don't want to put it out anywhere, but it isn't really going to be up in the building. So it's just been kind of one thing after another, but we're slowly getting it so it looks more finished, and uh, I really can't wait until I do have the open house, and I hope that everybody can come. Now, one of my other big ongoing projects right now is Laura Letters. Now, as most Laura fans know, Laura answered almost every letter, at least uh, with a group letter if a class wrote her, uh, up until about the last six months of her life. Those letters written to Laura were carefully saved and are going to be in the archive building, which they should be finishing up or at least uh, working on right now down at Mansfield, Missouri. But the answers, Laura's letters, which she did not keep copies of, are scattered to the four winds. They are tied up in little bundles in people's shoeboxes. They are glued in scrapbooks. Some have made their way to libraries across the country or museums. Uh, and others, who knows, I think a lot of them have been lost. So my plan that I am working on right now is to try and get copies of these letters and deposit them at the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Walnut Grove, Minnesota. Now, um, I've got I've got two letters promised to me right now that I have not actually received the copies of yet. But counting them, I'm up to 26 letters that uh, I have rescued and have gotten deposited with Walnut Grove. So hopefully those two letters will come in. Uh, some of these letters are just the basic things over and over again. She likes to share recipes, that kind of thing. Some of them have really unique things, like one, uh, she answers the question, what happened to Charlotte? Uh, and another, someone, uh, she talks about that while they were in Spring Valley, uh, in, when she was there with Rose and Almanzo, they went back, she took Rose and went back to Pepin to visit her relatives there, which was the first written evidence that we had to back up the family story 
that Laura did come back as a young woman and visited Pepin. So it's been a great project, and this is sort of my own project, though. So my budget for advertising is pretty much zero. So please, help spread the word. If you know of anybody with the Laura letter, tell them about it. You can, uh, well, I like it if they send the copy to me, but you can also send it direct to the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Walnut Grove, Minnesota, to go in the archive room there. My upcoming presentation that I have been working on, my new one that's going to be coming out this summer, hopefully, is called In the Kitchen with Laura. And what it's going to be, I've gotten, uh, it's going to be sort of similar to my packing up presentation, if you've seen, if you've seen that. But this is going to be set in the 1930s in the kitchen at Rocky Ridge. And there's, uh, the stories are going to all be related to food and how I hope to work this. Now, I haven't actually performed this yet, so I don't know if this is going to work out well, but what I hope to do is get a little first-hand participation with the audience in doing some food things. So it should be interesting. And I've been collecting the fake food. I think i am pretty much got at least what I want for a start on that, except I don't have my churn, which I really, really want. And the early version of this is going to be without pictures, so I hope to eventually use, expand it to a Laura Ingalls Wilder food presentation that has uh, pictures, too, so you can sort of see some of the things that I don't talk about uh, in the live version. I've been uh, collecting white and red enamelware. I've got a nice oil cloth. Um, I've got some fake fruit that I got and vegetables. And I just got some fake fish because I think that ought to tie in pretty well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I will keep you apprised of how In the Kitchen with Laura is coming. The Thanksgiving is what I've been thinking about a lot lately because I'm going to be presenting next week at ALFAM, which is the Association of Living History Farms and Museums, uh, Thanksgiving or um, National Conference. and title of the program, I'm actually working with Kathleen Wall, who is one of the um, people I respect most in food history, and she works at Okay, well, they're going to cut off for the live people, but I'm going to keep on since we got cut off three times in the course of this and finish up telling you. I was saying that what I've been working on lately is I've been finishing up my program for ALFAM, the Association of Living History Farms and Museums, whose national conference is going to be next week. And I'm going to be speaking uh, with Kathleen Wall on Thanksgiving Pioneer or Pilgrim to Pioneer. And I've been working on the pioneer slash Victorian part of the presentation and talking about how some of the things of Thanksgiving came about. And uh, it's I'm going to be using some of the stuff from my Laura Thanksgiving program 
And so it really should be an, an interesting program, and I hope it goes well, and I'll get a chance to do at least the Victorian part of it again sometime. Now, uh, there is the last thing that I wanted to mention is uh, the other thing I'm actually going to be presenting on. I'm, I'm going to be doing two sessions this time at Alfam, and the other one is about my one-room school lunch survey. I'm up to 362 responses. I've got people from all over the country, from Canada to Louisiana, so I am always looking for more from any place for any time. If you taught or attended a one- or two-room school, uh, uh, please fill out my survey. It's available on my webpage, and um, it's just a one-page thing asking you what you took for lunch. And I've just been finishing updating the presentation part of it, and uh, it is been interesting to see what the results have been. Now, the part of this, the second part of the the presentation that I haven't actually, um, or the project, the second half of the project, that I want to take this information that I've gotten, uh, where I talk about questions um, about what they brought to eat, if they washed their hands, where they ate, what they carried their lunch in, that sort of thing. I want to take those questions and compare them to the articles that I've been collecting from parents' magazines and teachers' magazines and government publications saying what they should have been doing, what they were supposed to be taking, where they were supposed to be eating, what they were supposed to be carrying their lunch in, and do some comparisons that way. Um, but I haven't really gotten too far in that part of the project yet, though I am looking forward to doing that, and I hope that I, I will get a chance to. Um, while I'm mentioning one-room schools, the one-room school conference, the Country School Association of America, which is online at countryschoolassociation.org, is going to be having their conference. It's sadly going to be basically overlapping with Alfam, so I'm not going to be able to do both. But um, this year it's going to be in Rome, Georgia, at one of the nicest, I have been told it's one of the most beautiful campuses on the, the um, in the country. The person who is the conference chair there this time is really great. I ended up having to help her with various projects at last year's conference which was in Des Moines, um, and so I am sure she is going to do an outstanding job, and I'm very sorry I couldn't get to Georgia uh, to work on it. Uh, but I am planning on being back with them next June, which will be at uh, St. Joseph, Missouri. And so any Midwest people who are interested in one or school, you may want to keep an eye out. I will let people know as soon as they have official dates so that you can come and uh, enjoy learning all about one-room schools and seeing uh, some work at their museums and, and various one-room school sites around Missouri. And just to end up here, um, because we're on record time, I guess that was three times that we were broken into this time, so something is just... Not nice going on at all. So hopefully um, I'll be able to figure out a way around this. 
I appreciate your patience. Thank you for sticking with us. And check in next time for Trundle Bed Tale. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.